For this new year, thinking ahead, I would guess that all of us want to live lives of significance. I think that's common to every human being, that we want to matter, that at the end of the year, we want to say, what I did in 2019 mattered. We want to say that at the end of 2019, what I did this year made a difference. We want to to think that the world is a better place because we're in it. The world is a better place because I'm in it. And I think that's, that's being honest, isn't it? Most of us want to feel that. We want to think that I matter enough to have made a difference to the world around me. That what I do will be significant in different ways this coming year. We want to look back in 2020 and go, last year, I know it seems a long way away, but it'll go very quickly, I made a difference. Well, the Bible has a way of talking about this. It says that this is called living a fruitful life. It's living a life that gives fruit and produces fruit for uh, ourselves and for other people around us. And there's, here we go, thanks guys, and there's, <laughs> we'll just wait for them to load this, just, uh, just a moment. But the Bible talks about it, living, it describes this as living a fruitful life. And there's a, some words of Jesus, some really core words of Jesus that talk about what it means to live a fruitful life and how we do that, how we live lives of significance. For me, these are some of the words in the Bible that I come back to time and time again. They're so rich, they're so good, they're great to remind myself of frequently. And we're going to look at them today. They're found in John's Gospel, in John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. And the context for this is this is teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples very, very shortly before he was going to go to the cross. There's a whole uh, tranche of teaching, there's a whole section of teaching in John's Gospel where he is speaking to his disciples and saying, these are things you really must know. This is a way you really must live. I want to tell you this because very soon I'm going. Listen well to these words. And this is one of the things that, John, uh, that Jesus says in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Guys, do you think, is it possible to have the words up from the slide? Uh, are, we, are we doing okay there? Fantastic. Awesome. Can we, we'll start again from the beginning, just so people have got the words in front of them. Let's go back to the beginning of the reading. Is that okay? So, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, Because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Worth those words, that phrase there, I, I constantly have to remind myself that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says of himself, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. Now, this, was a, this would have been an everyday image for the disciples. For people in Jesus' day, they would have seen many, many times in their lives vines growing full of grapes. It would have been something that would just immediately they'd be able to picture in their minds. But more than that, this was a very important symbol for the people of Israel, where Jesus was speaking these words. Israel as a nation and as a people had many different ways of talking about themselves, but one of them was this, that we are a vine that God has planted. And if you look back through the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, you'll see this this time and again. Israel is a vine that God has planted, and it's meant to be fruitful. God has planted, has created this people, and they're meant to produce fruit that gives glory to God and blesses the world. They are meant as a people to show the character of God, to display His character to the world. The whole world is meant to say, what does God look like? Well, we know what good God looks like and we know what His character is because we see Israel. We see this people. They live in such a way that we know God's character. We know He is good. We know He is holy. We know He is full of mercy and grace. We know His desire and His heart is to bless the world. Look at Israel. That gives us a picture of what God is like. It's a vine that produces fruit. But the problem was, in Jesus' day, that Israel was not fruitful. It was a nation that was so far from displaying the character of God that Jesus spoke to again and again and said, you are not doing, if you look through the Scriptures, he says this, you are not doing what God called you to do. So as he does many times, what Jesus takes the language that's applied to Israel and applies it now to himself and says, I am the true vine. He's already said to the disciples, if you want to know what God the Father looks like, look at me. Extraordinary claim to make, unless you are God. Says, if you want to know the character of the Father, look at me. You've spent time with me. This is what God is like. And I am the true vine. Not Israel. Me. Jesus very often says something like this. He often says, it's all about me. Now, have you ever heard anybody say that to you? Probably not in so many words. They've not directly said to you, 
do you know what? It's all about me. It's all about me. Everything that goes on, everything in life, it's just all about me. You've probably not heard anyone say that to you, but my guess is some people have acted in that way, and you might have done so yourself from time to time. I have. Just like to, if, if you're not sure, ask someone who loves you really well and say to them, have I ever acted in a way that it's all about me? And uh, just, just allow them to answer honestly. Well, Jesus really is the only person who can say time and again, it's all about me, and nobody takes offense. Well, some do, but most people go, yes, you're right. It is all about you. Jesus can say that because he's altogether good, altogether holy, and there is not one selfish bone in his body because he is Lord. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and you need to be connected to me. Now, my guess is that most of us don't think of very much about vines unless we're actually involved in growing them. So what would be the equivalent for us of thinking we're the vine rather than Jesus? Well, this is what I was thinking about in preparing for today. I think many of us, most of us, from time to time, think that we're significant because of something about us. So we might think that we're significant because of our nationality. That happens a lot in our world. We think, I have significance because I come from, or I belong to, a particular nation, or I speak a particular language, or I have a particular culture. We might think that we're significant because of our education. I am educated. I am more educated than that person over there. Therefore, I have significance. We might think we're significant because of our personality. We might think of ourselves as particularly uh, charismatic people. I mean charismatic in terms of attractive. We walk into a room and everyone wants to talk to us. We are happy in in an environment with lots of people. We have a strong personality. Or we're a personality that gets things done. If you want to get things done, talk to me. That's my personality, and that gives me significance. We might think we're we're significant because of our talents, our gifts, the things that we can do that other people can't, that we do really well. We might think it's because of our achievements, things that we've done in life so far that, that actually give us significance. We might even think we're significant because of our religion. And that's a subtle one for Christians. I'm significant because I'm a Christian. I have that label. I go to church. I'm part of this church. I'm part of that group. This is who I am. And because of those things in our lives, we think that therefore we're going to be naturally fruitful. I will produce fruit because of the country I come from, because of the language I speak, because of the education I have, because of the personality that God has given me, because of the talents and gifts that I have, because, because, because I will naturally produce fruit. And Jesus says, if you're trusting in that to produce fruit in your life, listen, I am the true vine, not those things. If you're connected to me, you will produce fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, there is a problem with relying on other things to produce fruit in our lives, and it's this. 
There are two temptations associated with that. One is pride. We might say, I'm, I'm, I belong to this nation, I have this education, I can do these things, and we take pride in ourselves. Well, pride is an ugly thing. When we are proud in that way, it leads to sin. It leads to separation from other people, and it leads to separation from God. But the other thing that it can produce in our lives is not pride. The temptation is to despair. The temptation is to say, because I am not that nationality, because I don't have that education, because I don't have a personality like so-and-so, because I don't have those gifts, because I haven't achieved much in my life, because, 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 therefore I won't produce fruit, therefore I'm not significant. The good news this morning is that in Jesus we have significance if we belong to him and not in those other things which can come and go in our lives. If we look for our significance in something other than Jesus, we are living and standing on shaky ground. And at some point, and I use this advisedly, some point the earthquake is going to come. At some point, the, the ground you think you're standing on is not going to be solid anymore. But with Jesus, with Jesus, there is a life that is sure. With Jesus, we will produce fruit. So what's Jesus' command to us? And sometimes we get this a little bit muddled. If we know this verse, we, we get a bit muddled. Sometimes we think Jesus' command is to bear fruit. No, it's not. It isn't. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, go and bear fruit. What does he tell his disciples? Remain in me. Remain in me. That's his command. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain another translation in English of this, which actually most of us will, will many of us might know who, who come from English-speaking countries. Um, if you come from an English-speaking country, you've probably heard this version, abide in me. Abide is another way of saying, live in me, or make your home in me, dwell in me, or cling to me. Jesus says, make me the utter center of your life. And again, this is really good news. Because many Christians, many people who have life with Jesus, read about what the Bible has to say about fruit. There's verses in, in Galatians where it says, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we think, I must produce that fruit. And we strain and we stress to produce that fruit in our lives. And sometimes we think, oh, I just, how do I do this? I don't know. Sometimes if I just close my eyes and screw up my eyes and, and do this and just say, Lord, fruit, fruit, come on, produce fruit. Have you ever seen a branch of a vine doing that? I must produce fruit. Somehow, if I work hard enough, I'm going to produce some fruit. Here's the good news. If you're a branch of the vine, you produce fruit naturally. Fruit happens. Fruit happens. So remember that one. 
fruit happens. If you remain, this is what Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you cling to me, if you abide in me, if you make your home in me, if you dwell in me, fruit happens. I'm not telling you to produce fruit. I'm telling you to remain in me and the fruit will come. Such good news. Max Lucado puts it this way in his book, Anxious for Nothing, which I think is a fantastic book. He says this, the dominant duty of the branch is to cling to the vine. And the dominant duty of the disciple, the follower of Jesus, is to do the same. We Christians, if you're a Christian, we tend to miss this. We banter about, we talk about pledges to change the world, to make a difference for Christ, to lead people to the Lord. Yet these are byproducts of the Christ-focused life. Our goal is not to bear fruit. Our goal is to stay attached. When you are a branch of the vine, all the nutrients, all the goodness that you need to grow, to stay alive and produce fruit don't come from you, they come from the vine. We're called to be fed by the vine. So we are called to be fed by Jesus, that all that we need comes from Him. We don't have to produce it ourselves. Now, there's lots of other ways we can try to be fed and live life. Here's a few of them. We can be fed by adrenaline. Sometimes it's just the next thing, the next high. It can be the next business high, the next deal that we make. It can be the next um, event that we organize. It can be the next thing that we do that brings us excitement. It can be the next day off. It can be whatever it is. We can be fueled by adrenaline. And we sort of go a little bit like that. We have our highs and we have our lows. The things that excite us, the things that move us, and then the days when those things don't happen. Sometimes it means we're looking for other things to produce adrenaline in us. Things that bring addiction, things that bring damage into our lives. But we work on adrenaline. I want to tell you this from personal experience that I have made my most stupid, some of my, I make many stupid mistakes, but some of my most stupid mistakes are when I was trying to run on adrenaline. Mistakes as a, as a pastor of a church where I'm kind of going, yeah, we've just had a great service. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. It was great. We felt the presence of God. And then I go into a conversation with someone afterwards and I say the most stupid thing because at that moment I'm not running as a branch of the vine, and running on the adrenaline of just what, what just happened. I'm kind of coasting, thinking I can do it. We had a great service this morning. And then you say something really stupid, because you're not connected to Jesus. So that's me. I guess you may have made mistakes on, on that way too. But in the end, that does not produce fruit. Another thing that can be fed by is anger. Really? Yes, really. I once heard a speaker say that he had planted two churches out of anger. He was so angry at what the church he was doing in was doing that he planted another one. And of course, it looks great. It looks very holy. What's more spiritual than planting a church? I guess that that there could be some ministries that get started out of anger. 
I guess there's lots of things we can do out of anger. We bury the anger down, but what we're really saying is, I'll show them, I'll show them how to do it properly. I'll do this. We can start businesses or work, new work out of anger. Some people start new relationships out of anger. I'm going to show them. I'm going to have a new relationship that's going to be good. But the anger is the motivation for doing it. And what happened in the previous one? We had a whole, we can talk more about anger, but if you're fed by anger, it won't produce fruit. You die. We can be fed by ambition. Our hopes, our dreams, our plans. What are your plans for the new year? There's nothing wrong in making plans, but if that's what drives us, if we must achieve those things at all costs, we won't produce fruit. If that's the the, the drive in our lives, it leads to withering and dying. There's many more things that we can be fed by that don't begin with the letter A. I just was playing around with that and thinking these are three core things, and you can add to them. We can be fed by so much, but the best way is to be fed by abiding in Christ, abiding in Jesus if we're fed by him, if we, our life comes from him, if we remain in him, we will produce fruit. Fruit happens. How do we do that? Here's some wise words from a man who lived well over 100 years ago. He was a leader of the church in England, and he says this, Abide in me, says Jesus. Cling to me. Stick fast to me. Live the life of close and intimate communion with me. Get nearer to me. Roll every burden on me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go your hold on me for a moment. Be rooted and planted in me. Do this and I will never fail you. I will ever abide in you. So how do we abide? How do we remain in Christ? Here are some ways. Firstly, we need to recognize his lordship. Here's the thing. It is possible to try to live with a little bit of Jesus in your life. You have that that part of your life that belongs to him. You can be part of a church and have that bit of your life surrendered to him. You can say, Jesus, I give you this part of my life, but this bit you don't touch. That, that part of my life, I make my own decisions. And to be honest with you, I think most of us do that a lot of the time. Jesus is good, and he often very gently will tell us, sometimes not so gently, Mark, you know that part of my life that you think you surrendered to me? Well, now's the time to really surrender it. But Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. And so the call is to all of life to be surrendered to him if we want it to be fruitful. Remaining in Christ is not a spiritual technique. It's about relationship with him. And so if you don't know him, and it's possible to drift through life in a church, doing religious things without ever really coming to know him. But if you've never surrendered your life to him, the one who loved you enough to die for you on the cross, the one who gave his life for you so that you can be set free and be given a new life, if you have never done that, that is the first step. The rest of this won't matter if you've never done that. 
And I'd say, just say to you this morning, if that is not a step you have made, and you're wondering why your life isn't fruitful, you're wondering why your life isn't working, come to Jesus. Surrender to Him. That's the first place, because He welcomes you. He welcomes you all the time. The second thing is to rest in His love. This is so important. You know, there's many parts to this, but one of them is this. We can be so busy doing things for Jesus that we stop actually spending time with Him. It is very easy to be toxically busy, poisonously busy. We can just work and work and work for Him. We can, we, can, we can have an incredibly busy life and never stop to rest in His love. But resting in His love is more than just taking time to be with Him. It is that. It's about taking, taking time to pray, to talk with Him, and to listen to Him. It's taking time to give Him all the things about which we are anxious and worried and give them to Him. It's about taking time to worship Him. It's about taking time to adore Him. But also it's about this. It's taking time to rest in His love and receive His love. And many Christians, many people can work and work for Jesus without spending that time allowing Him to love them. Be still and know that I am God. We we need to receive His Word to abide in Him. So that, that means reading or listening to the Scriptures. His Word, the Word of God, it all points to Jesus. It means not just simply reading or listening, though. It means more than that. You know, the Bible says that if you come to the Scriptures and you just read at it, and then you kind of go away and don't do what it says, it's like you've looked in a mirror just to check your face, and then you go away forgetting what you've looked like. Receiving His Word does mean obeying it. It means a commitment to obeying it. It's no good to come to God's Word and go, well, do you know what? I'll choose that bit and I won't choose this bit. Or if Jesus challenges me about something, I'll walk away. He is good. When He challenges us, it's for our own benefit. Listen and read with an open heart. Allow Him to change your life. Allow Him to challenge you. Allow Him to encourage you. But obey. And then don't resist his pruning. Jesus says this, that every branch that bears fruit, he will prune, he will tend to, so that it will be even more fruitful. And my guess is that if you've had life with Jesus for some time, you'd say, I know what that's like. And it's not always comfortable. But that's what Jesus promises he will do. It's not a kind of an optional extra to the Christian life. He says, I will prune you. I will do things that will make you more fruitful. They might be difficult at the time, but I will do this in your life. And when that comes, and it's genuinely from Jesus, then don't resist it. We mustn't resist it, because the fruit that will come will be more than we could ever imagine. So what's the most significant thing you can do this year? What's the most significant thing you will do this year? Let's go back to what Jesus says, I am the vine, 
You are the branches. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The most significant thing you will do this year, if you do it, is to remain in Jesus, is to abide in him. Whatever other plans or hopes or dreams or concerns or worries or anxieties you have about this year, by the end of 2019, if you can go back and say, do you know what? I made it my first priority to abide in Jesus, to remain in him, to remain connected to him, then you will have borne much fruit. You will, because fruit happens when we remain in the vine. And... If we do that, the world really will be a better place because we're in it. Because the fruit that our lives bear will change this world, will bring life to others, will bless other people. Wouldn't that be good? Start with remaining in Jesus and see what happens. Watch for the fruit that will come. So let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand and pray. Lord Jesus, just we want to thank you for your words this morning. Thank you for what you said to your disciples and still say to us. Thank you for the invitation to share life with you. We know that we can utterly trust you with our lives. So right now we do ask you to come and take control. We surrender our lives to you. Lord, we want to remain in you. We want to stay connected to you. We want to make our homes in you. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Come and live in us as we live in you. That we may bear fruit. That we may bless the people around us. Our families and our friends and our colleagues at work and our neighbors and this nation and the world. Lord, we want this not to be just for this morning, but to be an ongoing thing through this year, that we constantly come back to you, our living hope, and stay connected to you. We ask that you would help us do this so that the Father is glorified, so that your name is lifted high, so that this world is a better place because your people, your people, Father, your sons and daughters are living in it. We ask that, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.